2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul said, There was given to me a thorn, a gift. What kind of gift is this? I remember years ago, at the recommendation of a family member, giving away an exercise machine on Christmas. And when it was opened up, the words out of that person's mouth was, what kind of sick joke is this? How many of you have ever received a gift that you realize came from God? Now, it may have been delivered by Satan, but it did come from God. Uh, Pastor, was this from God or Satan? Yes. You don't care when you send a gift who the... UPS or DHL driver is that gives it as long as it's delivered. And God gave him a thorn. Now there's debate over the thorn. Here's what I believe God did. He did us all a favor by not specifically identifying that thorn. Because we would use that to discard people's thorns or to exalt our own if it paralleled the thorn that the Apostle Paul was suffering. I personally believe, yes, he had physical ailments. Paul was a soldier on a different level. You want to talk about someone who did not care about his body, who was not trying to pamper his flesh. And here's the problem with the thorn. Most of us will do anything within our power to keep our flesh protected at the cost of our spirit. And spirituality is protecting our spirit, even at the cost of our flesh. But that's not Paul. You read about the Apostle Paul, and even in his listings in previous chapters, what he suffered, he, he gave no detail in Scripture about exactly when or how that was suffered. But this was a man who was constantly suffering in the flesh. Uh, but besides what he was suffering, I, I believe for any man of God, what you suffer in the flesh is not a thorn. It's a discomfort. It's a problem. It may be a headache, but it's not a thorn. And I believe uh, specifically when... It's mentioned a messenger of Satan. That's referring to people in the flesh more specifically. And whether that was someone uh, who had betrayed him, or the Judaizers that constantly followed him, the false prophets that had in, infiltrated these churches, especially the church at Corinth, uh, these were all thorns of the flesh. But he's speaking specifically of, of one, the, identif- the identification is hidden from us, Uh, But God does that on purpose, and Paul says he pled with God to have this thorn removed, and uh, obviously it was a great pain to him. Now, we think of thorn, you know, that cockaburr that you get in your sock. That's not what Paul's talking about. We're talking about a spear in his spirit, something he constantly Uh, dealt with and was suffering, uh, something that made it very difficult and painful just to function in the spiritual realm because God would not remove it. It was persistent because he said, I begged God three times. Now, 
I know some people refer to this as something that Christ did there in the garden. I don't believe it was three times in a row. I believe literally this was something so persistent that Paul kept uh, pleading with God, God, would you do me a favor? Because often in life we think if God would relieve that stress problem or remove that thorn, it would facilitate us serving him in a better way. Uh, Brother Kirby Campbell and Brother Bishop and these men, knowing we'd met Brother Bishop years ago previous to his physical ailments. And he was a powerful preacher back then, but no one can deny after that devastating illness that he still deals with, the power of God came upon him, his ministry blossomed, and and the way God has used him post-sickness is a hundred times greater than previous to his illness. We in our natural state would like to thank God. I could be used in a much better way if you would remove. In 2004, I began to have problems with my voice. And uh, there were times when six, eight, ten weeks I wasn't allowed to preach. And as it got worse, and our young people began referring to me as the Billy Goat Preacher. I often prayed and said, God, I could be much more useful. I'm not even a powerful preacher with a decent voice. But uh, this is only getting worse when I can't croak out a few syllables or words. And then when I was diagnosed with spasmodic dysphonia, he, he played some tapes and he said, this is what you're going to sound like in 10 years. I said, thank you, doctor. I appreciate you removing all hope of any hope. That, that was a blessing. Now, thankfully, God has not allowed that to happen. But in our flesh, we would like to think if God removed this thorn, Certainly, we could be better servants, and God makes it very clear here. The opposite is true. Paul dealt with this persistent pain that was constantly present. God, would you remove it? And at some point, he just said, okay, if God's not going to remove it, I will glory in it. Now, here's what Paul said. Look what it says in verse 9. Let's go back to verse 7. He gave me that thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to do what? Now, some of you Baptists misread that because our generation thinks that it buffeted me. Now, we've, that's the way the average Baptist lives, buffeted, amen? We're not talking about buffet, we're talking buffeted, punched. I don't like being punched. Uh, when we went to Bible college, Dr. Vineyard was a boxer, and uh, he loved to watch students box. And often he would pull us together, put the gloves on, and choose opponents and have us box. Now, that's not really my definition of a good time. (laughs) He loved making kids go three, three three-minute rounds. If you think that three minutes is the blink of an eye, put on boxing gloves, and you find out how out of shape. We're talking about college students. Uh, Just dance around for nine minutes, and that's difficult. Uh, But do it with someone beating on you. And Paul said, this messenger of Satan was constantly giving me body blows. And I asked God to remove this pain. He didn't. Now, there's a contrast here in this chapter of gifts. We would, we would like to choose, you know, you know what your children need for Christmas. And uh, if you give them anything practical, it removes the smile from their face. They want a toy, they want a game, they want something that brings them pleasure. Isn't it amazing that we bring that same philosophy into the Christian life? So God, if you're going to give me a gift, make it a dart gun. God, if you're going to give 
give me a gift, make it an Xbox. God, if you're going to give me a gift, uh, make it a, a dirt bike or an air rifle. Or, but don't make it anything practical. And God said, I'm going to give you a gift. Now, in the first few verses, go back with me, verse 1. There are several gifts mentioned in this chapter. I like the first gift. Paul just says it wasn't a practical gift. Look what it says, verse 1. It, it is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. He was caught up to paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for man to utter. Now, he's speaking of himself in the, in the third person here, but here's what happened. God did him a favor. I believe going back in time, this is probably when he was stoned to death on his first missionary trip, and uh, God gave him a little taste of heaven. I believe God did Paul a favor knowing what he would suffer in this life. He said, Paul, in order for you to endure the sufferings that you're going to have to endure, you're going to have to know the glory of heaven. Otherwise, you may tap out. You, you may quit. I'm going to introduce you uh, to heaven and, and what you have awaiting you. But, but Paul never mentioned it. So 14 years later, the Holy Spirit guides him. We understand the context we've been going through the book. The context that we're speaking of is there's a little bit of self-defense here. God leads him to this because he was under such severe attack. His apostleship, his authority in the church, the false prophets had moved in. And everything that Paul was and was doing was being undermined. He's glorying, instead of speaking of all of his accomplishments, which he never did, he never stood up and said, I'm writing books of the Bible. The Holy Spirit of God is speaking through me, and I'm writing eternal scripture. I've planted all these churches. I've won all these souls. I've discipled all these converts. Here's the numbers. He never prints missionary letters with all the statistics of his accomplishments. If he glories in anything, he glories in his infirmities, his shipwrecks, his beatings, he, so he's going, to, he's going to pull out a trump card that he never pulled out only by guidance of the Holy Spirit. He said, oh, by the way, um, I died and went to heaven. And then I came back. Can, can you imagine Paul? He's with his leaders and their little fuss. And say, Paul, I, I don't know if you're right on this one. He says, just, just a vote here. How many of you have died and gone to heaven? <laughs> okay, we're going to do it my way. <laughs> he didn't pull that card. He, he said it's not expedient. He said this isn't something. Now, I know in this generation, you have people supposedly that have died and kind of have come back. And they're writing books and they're on TV shows and they're posting on YouTube. And Paul, had he had any of these avenues available to him, he was not in the, in the, in the business of self-promotion. He's not beating his chest. He said, this is something, it, it's not even really provable. It's not conceivable. Because if we just sit down, here's the problem. You don't sit down with experiences and, and begin to gloat on them because who else was there with you? Who else can verify that you actually died and went to heaven and came back? And he said, God did me favor. It's not expedient. He said, uh, those conversations that I had in heaven. Now, now all these men that were false prophets that were, that were beating their chest and denying the apostleship of Paul, Paul did not want to play this card. He didn't, he didn't even want to speak on the subject. But the Spirit of God prompts him, and he says, there's a man that I know 14 years ago died, went to the third heaven. We know the first heaven. 
is the atmosphere. It was spoken of in Genesis 1. Second heaven is space. That's where everyone's trying to go, and I can't, try to, I can't figure out, why in the world do you spend $250,000 to take a jump up there and come back? Go buy a house and rent it out, and don't, don't destroy that hard-earned money. But the third heaven is where God resides. He said, I didn't take a plane trip. I actually took a heavenly ride, and there were conversations, and I can't even tell you about those conversations, but... He said, I'm not going to glory in any of that. Those are the kind of gifts we desire. And God had a purpose in that gift. The purpose was to take Paul through the next decade or so of suffering and say, Paul, there is a better glory on the other side of this earth. Deal with these problems. Overcome what you will have to overcome in the flesh, knowing there's something more permanent than anything that you suffer in this life. It's all temporal. It's all dung. Paul, here's a taste of glory so you can overcome the taste of uh, suffering that you have to deal with on this earth. Now, those are the gifts we like, right? We like, hey, when God speaks to us and you're sitting in a moment of revival and you, you get, now, I do not believe in dreams and visions. And if you come to me this morning and say, I died and went to heaven and came back, you know, I'm going to smile at you, but it's probably a smile of disbelief, not, not one of, oh, praise the Lord, you got a taste of heaven. But the gifts that God gives us in his Holy Spirit and his working in our lives, the, the church and the special things that God does for us in life, we appreciate all of that. But the gift that we don't like that is probably the greatest gift that God could give us is a thorn. Now, let me just preface this before we move any further. If, if you're not seeking to be used of God, we're not talking about a calling of God that defines you as a pastor, an evangelist, or a missionary. We're not talking about that. God wants to use you no matter what your position is or your calling is. God wants to use you to help people, to win souls, to disciple converts, God wants to use every individual Christian in a lot of different ways. And God will use your infirmity to help someone else in the middle of their infirmity. But when we talk about a spiritual gift, here's what we have to understand. That gift, that, that thorn is not a self-inflicted wound. Well, Pastor, I got a thorn in flesh, I had a heart attack. No, that gift came from McDonald's and all the hamburgers you've been eating. Okay, that... Those heart problems have nothing to do with the thorn from God. Can we just be honest? I, I broke my leg, Pastor. I got a thorn in the flesh. Don't jump out of the back of a moving truck and you probably won't bust your leg. Don't, don't blame those things on God. It has nothing to do with God. We're not talking about the consequences of life. We're talking about someone who wants to be used of God and God says... If your heart desire is truly to be used, I'm going to give you a special gift. Now, this morning, I'm, I know I'm talking to two groups. I'm, I'm talking to a group of Christians whose goal in life is not to be used, whose goal in life is to escape being used of God, whose goal in life is to make an excuse to keep from being used of God, whose goal in life is to make it all the way to the finish line 
and to be used as little as possible by God. Okay, there's a group in here like that. You've already got the guilty look. Don't worry about it. I'm used to it. I've pastored for a long time. <laughs> then there's another group who truly in their heart of hearts wants to be used. And every day they're, they're realizing, okay, if, if, if I do this and if I grow here and, and God uses me, I can help this person. I can help in this ministry. And, and God, I want, to use, I, I want you to use me in a greater way. But there's a little bit of a fear factor because most of us understand that, that a thorn might be part of the equation. So here's, here's why we want to delve a little bit deeply into this thorn this morning. Because understanding the purpose of this gift and the giver of this gift, we simply get stuck on the pain of the gift. And there we stop and there we brace ourselves and say, God, you know what? I want to be used. I just don't want to be used on that level because I'm, I'm not going to really embrace the thorn. Now, I, I know in my youth, I heard preachers preach and, it, you know, from Tozier and these, these men with their famous sayings that uh, the greater the use is the greater the pain. And in these things, I tried to wrap my mind around it, but I'll be honest with you. Early life, I said, God, just use me in the pain-free side of your service. And I'll be very happy there. And I, you look at these that have been greatly used of God. And you see, you can identify the thorn. And I've never, folks, in my life, begged God for a thorn. I've never even asked him. I've, I've never... Can we just be real this morning? I'm, I think it's good to be real occasionally. Paul didn't either. He asked... For the opposite, Paul said thrice that he, verse 8, I was the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. He said, even Paul, this great man of God who embraced pain, he said, I, I want to be delivered from this. And God said, no, Paul, I've got a purpose in this. And when we want God to be pleased and we want God to find pleasure in our lives, it means at some point, acceptance of his will and saying, God, if you gave me this thorn and you have a purpose in this, I'll embrace the purpose because it means your name is going to be glorified. And God's greatest servants are those that he says, I want to increase your level of usefulness. Now, I, I know this morning, I'm going, to lose, I'm going to lose some of you right here, and it's okay. Come back to the next service or the next few services. I'm, my purpose is not to try to lose you. But I'm, I'm speaking to those now that truly want to be used of God. God will bring thorns, and too many that are not even being used of God say, so, well, I'm dealing with the thorn, you know, God gave me this husband, he's a thorn in my... No, you, you chose, you, you didn't listen to anyone else, you know, and everyone told you not to do it, and then you decided to do it, and that's not a thorn, that's a personal choice. And it, most, most things that we identify as thorns, no, we're talking about literally something you couldn't have chosen, not a consequence of your life, but something God said, if you really want to be used, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to provide you a special gift 
It'll make you so dependent upon me that only I can be magnified in your life. This weakness will become my greatest, your greatest strength, because my strength will be perfect in your weakness. And here's what Paul did. He, he prayed, God, would you remove this? And God revealed to him, Paul, no, because because of what you've done, you've done, Paul, because of what you're doing, and now these churches being planted and souls being saved and converts being discipled and young men being trained, the multiplication that's taking place in the ministry, and the fact that I've allowed you to taste heaven, and you're writing these books of the Bible, all that's being done, Paul, through you, uh, I'm going to have to give you a gift called a thorn, uh, or you're going to have some spiritual problems that will keep me from using you. This is, but here's what God's saying. I'm giving you special provision in life, and there's a purpose, and you need to accept this. Now, here's, here's what a thorn does. A thorn reveals our true spiritual, the, our, our spiritual character, our spiritual identity. It's a revelation of who we are because Life, when it's all going good, allows us to maintain a, a spiritual facade. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm strong and I'm a soul winner and I love God. Yeah, because you're healthy, wealthy and wise. You know, you know, it's amazing what we do in life. In life, it's almost in, even we're talking about among the most spiritual Bible colleges and churches. You know, we want our Bible colleges and, and schools. We want sharp. We want professional. We want hardworking. We want IQ. We want to work with strengths, not weaknesses. And we think these are better qualified because they provide, now think about this, they provide God strengths. Is if God says, give me your strongest your most intelligent, your sharpest. You know what Paul said earlier in 1 Corinthians? Not many wise. Not, not many of our, our finest are ones God can actually use. You, you take a look. It, I, I know Brother Martin is often mentioned, but the feebleness and the frailness of our own flesh, and here's probably the greatest used servant of God in our generation. And God said, I'm going to take those weaknesses and be honored and glorified through them. And you look at cancer being introduced to his family, and you, you look at all these things. Brother Johnston, a man that you guys met here at our missions conference, and, and a wife, we didn't know at the time, we, we wrote them a $25,000 check that God guided us to do that. We didn't even know he was facing a $25,000 bill for her. We didn't know she was dealing with cancer treatments. And, and God used that to meet that need and, and pay that bill. And he was dealing with thorns in the flesh, and yet we were seeing this man greatly used of God who embraced the thorn and said, God has a purpose here, and it's about his strength being made perfect in my weakness. In church, we have people sitting in this congregation that are dealing with thorns, and you, just like I, have a flesh that likes to push back and pray, as Paul did, 
God, would you remove this thorn? Now, I, I believe we ought to pray, and I've, I've had times where we've seen God answer those prayers. Now, let me ask you this. What if God would have answered Paul's prayer and removed his thorn? Would that been to his benefit or his detriment? God said, Paul, you need this. There are too many times in life that we actually pray against the very will of God. And God says, I gave this to you actually to help you become a better minister. So while you're praying, God, use me in a greater way. I'm answering your prayer. And then when I answer your prayer, you back up and say, God, hold on for a minute. I've changed my mind. I didn't realize the answer to that prayer was actually a thorn in the flesh. And here's what it does. This thorn revealed Paul's character where he didn't quit. Now, when God gives you a thorn, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to become discouraged, frustrated, angry, bitter with God and quit. Or you're going to rely more on his strength, accept his grace, because the thorn is actually... His grace. That's hard. A, a thorn is, that's what he said. A thorn is that which brings God's grace and strength into the equation. So God says, you're not going to experience the same grace. You know how much grace you need when life is going well. Tell me about God's grace in your life. You haven't been to the doctor. Your bills are paid. You've got money in your pocket. Your family's healthy. You got three cars and only need one. So, it, yeah, tell me about God's grace. God's grace is sufficient. Of course, you don't even need it. You don't, you're not even having devotion. You don't need God at this moment. Your life is perfectly fine without him. And here's what God says. I'm going to give you a thorn to reveal. You, you tell people you're joyful. Let's see what happens to that joy. When you're given a thorn, you you tell people you're content, you give an aura of strength, but let's see what happens when you have a thorn. You you act as if uh, you're you're praising God and you're grateful in your heart. Let's see how you act when I give you a thorn. It it removes all the facade. It just opens up man to be revealed for who he is and that Christian for who she is. And God said, I'm going to give you this thorn as a favor. And here's what it revealed Paul to be, the man of God that we thought he was. And Christians, sometimes God's just going to do it as a favor. Look what it says in verse 7. Here's the primary purpose of this thorn. Paul said, or go back to verse 6. Paul said, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should what? He said, I don't even want any man to think of me above that which he seeth me to be. Or that which he heareth me. Now, this would be a good model for any pastor, anybody in ministry, any Christian. You know what we like to do? We like for people to think good of us. Isn't it a shame that so much of life is, is building an appearance or setting up something in the mind of others? I, I want them to think I am intelligent. And I laugh when I get around people. Literally, people are in a race in life to sound intelligent, to sound accomplished. The things we make up, uh, 
you know, people embellishing their accomplishments, their degrees, their studies. I remember when I went to Bible college, and one of the teachers asked us, how many of you graduated at the top of your class? I did, but I refused to raise my hand. And after we left, someone knew, they said, Adam, why didn't you raise your hand? I said, there were two in our class. <laughs> why would I raise my hand? Isn't it amazing that we, that, that's how foolish we are. We, we want to, to, to make it look like we've done a lot. We've been around the block and God used us in a great way. We're, we're more intelligent in any accomplishment. We want to make sure to put it on the front page, highlight it, large letter edition. That is our human nature. And Paul said, I don't want anyone here in this conversation. You guys are comparing the apostles. You guys are denying my apostleship. You guys are attacking uh, who I am and and he said, at the end of the day, my purpose in life should never be about my name or my reputation or what you think of me. This ought to be, uh, the focal point ought to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Can, can you imagine a portrait being done? You know, you take family pictures and someone says, we, we want Austin in the background. So you get this beautiful picture of the Austin skyline, and in the very far corner, distant in the picture, is the family. You say, this isn't a family portrait. This is a, city, a picture of the city. It isn't amazing that, that in the Christian life, Christ is supposed to be central in, in the focus of the portrait, and yet we, we want to put him way off in the background in us. Is a primary person noticed by others. Wow, look at him. Wow, look at her. And Paul said, I want to be nearly invisible. I want Christ to be the focus of what is being done here. He said, I don't want anyone to exalt me, even in their what? In their thoughts. Verse 7, lest I should be what? Exalted above measure. Now let me ask you this. You know who you are. You know. No one else on this planet knows, but you know. Can we use the word without anyone being offended? Scumbucket. We know who we are. We know our failings. We, we know our shortcomings. We know our sins. We know our past. We know what we haven't done, and yet if we can just paint this picture a little better so someone can pat me on the back and say, look at who he is and what he has done. And here's what's crazy. It so infiltrates everything that we do. It's, it's about our car giving an appearance. Well, you know. That seven-year loan is important because I give the appearance of having money. You know, it's just greater debt. And I've got to live in the right neighborhood. I've got to wear name brand clothes. And uh, I can't buy or shop JCPenney. Uh, it's got to be Macy's. It's got, it's all about appearances. Because at the end of the day, we truly believe in our hearts that if we're not esteemed by men, we can't be used of God. And Paul said it doesn't matter. Paul said, I, 
lest I should be exalted above measure. And you certainly could if you're traveling around and preaching in conferences and saying, yeah, you know, I was, I was talking to these people in heaven and Moses and Elijah and I were sitting around, you know, just chewing the breeze, chewing the fat and talking about the Red Sea and all the rest. And I said, guys, got to go. Got things to do. <laughs> That's what we would do. So, uh, you know, but people talk about who they're connected with. That, you know, with, we love throwing out names. I was here and I was talking with him, doing this. Can you imagine what Paul could have done? So I was like, hey, Elijah, anyways. So, so I was down there talking to Lydia. And uh, I, I know you saw some miracles, but how many people did you actually see saved? By, hold, hold that comment. Let me finish about Lydia and the church I started in Philippi. If Paul was the average Baptist preacher, that's what he would have been doing. Yeah. Table side chat. And then I just shook a few hands. You know, it was, you know, no, I had some great stories. But after 120 years, you ought to have some good stories. You know, building the boat and everything is cool. He talked to me about some of those dimensions. I, I wanted to ask him how he fed and, and kept all those animals. But anyways, I'll tell you about that, Ernest, next time we have a meal together. But he's, he's a little taller than I thought. All to make himself look bigger and better. And Paul never even, he, he's talking about, I, I knew a man, whether in the body, out of the body, he's not even giving you any details. He, he's just saying, I went there, I'm not going to use this. The end of the story is, I don't want glory, I, I want God to be glorified, I don't want the focus to be on me. And he said, this thorn is about me staying humble. Isn't it amazing that the goodness of God ought to humble us and instead it develops pride in us. Everything good that we enjoy, every blessing in ministry, the hand of God and what he does through us and what he allows us to experience, instead of humbling us and saying this is from God, we like to beat our chest and say, look what I have, you know, you know, you know don't, don't brag on me, but I've done a few things in my life. And Paul said, lest I should be exalted. He's understanding God had a specific purpose to help him. And there's, church, let me say this. If you want to be used of God, there is no greater enemy to the work of God than pride. And the devastation that we've seen in ministries and in people, because only by pride cometh contention. We've seen churches split and people hurt and bitterness, anger. How many sins have started with the root sin of pride? God said, Paul, if I'm going to use you, can you imagine the devastation he could have caused in the church of Corinth? If he started this work and he built this work and now you have these false prophets in there trying to cause trouble, Paul could have blown this place up had he not used great discretion and followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. Had he not used both firmness and yet patience, had he not been direct yet at the same time discerning in his directness, had he not been patient in his approach, he could have literally devastated this church through his pride. God said, I'm going to give you a thorn. Paul, to keep you humble instead of going in there with a chainsaw or a hacksaw. 
cutting off heads and burying the guilty. Oh, church, if I could only help you this morning. Look what it says in the end of verse 7. So it's given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan above in me. He's, he repeats it, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, look what it says verse 9. Not just to humble us. But this is about the honor and the glory of God. How many understand everything we do in life has got to be about God's great name? This is his honor. This is his glory. Look what it says, verse 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know the purpose of a thorn? The purpose of a thorn is to weaken. God said, I, I want to weaken you. Well, we think this is all about being strengthened. And I, I got to be strong. And here's the psychology of this world. Go be strong. Get stronger. Get strengthened. And everything you seek in life is about the strengthening of your self-will and your self-image and your IQ. And we bring that into the spiritual realm. In the principle of the Bible, not the psychology of the Bible. The principle of the Bible goes against the psychology of the world. Because God says, in order to be used in a greater way, I don't need your strength. I need your weakness because my strength is made perfect in weakness. And God said, I'm going to give you this. You know what? Any thorn I've ever had to deal with in life, from the physical to the spiritual, you know what it's made me do? Get on my face and get on my knees and cry out to God and say, God, if you don't do this, I can't physically, emotionally, spiritually do this. You know what I would have done without that thorn? Walk stronger, taller, felt healthier, and less and less reliant I would have been upon God in the midst of that. You know what puts us on our face before God? That thorn. You know what keeps us on our face? That thorn. And how many times have we made it through a day or a week or a month and God was not, now we're not talking about central in our thoughts, he wasn't even a part of our thoughts. When you're healthy enough, wealthy enough, intelligent enough, successful enough, that God doesn't need to be part of your day, you won't make him part of your day. When everything's going well in life, you're saying, you know what, God, when I come to the panic, we, we almost use him. You know, you, you've seen the advertisements uh, for those that are elderly and it, the call of emergency, you wear the necklace and push the button. Help. I've fallen, I can't get up. That's prayer for the average Christian. The emergency button, help God. I've fallen at the moment and I can't get up. You know what, God, you know what God's saying? I'm going to give you a thorn in the flesh in that way. You actually need me every single day. You're weak enough to depend upon my strength. Here's, here's what weakness is. Do you know weakness is a platform for God's strength and God's grace in our lives. Now, I promised you we're halfway done. 
We'll finish tonight. Here's my question. Would you simply take the day and meditate on this thought? Paul said, there was given to me a thorn. It's God's gift. Paradise was a much smaller gift. And God said that there was a purpose in that little trip and that little time frame. And what I did for you, there was a purpose in that. But Paul, that was a moment in time. And a much greater gift is the gift of a thorn. Because this gift is actually going to multiply your usefulness. And I'm going to give this to you, Paul, because I've got a great purpose for you. Are you even willing to accept a thorn? Are you ready telling God, God, don't give me a thorn? Because I ain't going to be happy about it. God, don't give me a thorn. No, it'll ruin me. Please, God. Are you willing to say, you know what? That's when I experience God's grace. That's when I experience God's strength. And if God's already given you a thorn, we'll, we'll talk about that tonight. Read the next few verses. What does Paul have to do at some point in order to keep from being overwhelmed or overcome? He has to accept it. So let me ask you a favor today. Can we take the day and say, God, help me to meditate on this subject of the thorn? Because at some point in life, if you truly want to be used by God in a greater way, you're telling God, whatever gift you give me, I'll accept it.